I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. this week's Lost Words podcast. We're back with uh, my regular co-host Jason. Jason, hello. Hello Tom, how are you? And we've got another third member of the team again this week in the form of Martin. Martin, welcome. Uh, evening gents, how are we doing? Yeah, we're good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm doing very well. I'd have been slightly better if Neiman uh, had got over the line last night, but I'm sure we'll come on to that. But, Abs- uh, I'm good. Absolutely, we'll we'll, uh, we'll certainly get on to that and other things as well. Just for the people that won't know Martin, maybe by his first name, he is uh, Mr. Sundog Monkey on Twitter. Um, so that might uh, raise a few more uh, people's attention, and we'll know who we're talking about there. So, um, but gents, it was a bit of a it was an interesting. We had a lot seemed to happen. Uh, there was a lot of outrage. Um, We'll go on to the, the, the first topic, away from the actual golf itself. Uh, and Jason, I'll come to you first on this one, because uh, I mentioned after the PGA Championship, didn't I, that, that Justin Thomas looked like he was fed up and miserable every time he was on the golf course. Um, and, and he's continued that, really, I think. He, he always seems to have the hump at the moment. And I saw him hit one into into the... Um, into the he couldn't find it. He found his ball and lobbed it back in there. Wasn't happy with the lie. Uh, and I'd have been fed up if I had to walk back to the tee from where he was from because it looked a bit embarrassing and quite a long walk. But he just seemed incredibly fed up. And then he's obviously come out and said what he said, uh, which we won't repeat on the podcast. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's sort of something... I don't know if he's sort of bumbling under a bit of pressure of being such a well-known name now or, or what it is. You know, is there any thoughts that you've got on that? Well, we said we said for a while that, um, that he, yeah, as you say, he, he didn't look particularly happy. And I, I just like to say, I mean, for a man who's who's not looking particularly happy, he's putting in some amazing performances. I, know. <laughs> I mean, how he was thir- how he got to 24 under. I mean, half his tee shots went in the spinach. Um, he was hitting them left, he was hitting them right. I mean, you know, the, the widest fairways on tour. He's hitting them left, he's hitting them right. Some of the shots he was playing, how he found his ball, I don't know. I mean, Dustin hit one in there and, and couldn't find his, but Justin Thomas seemed to find his ball virtually every time. Um, and that was without, obviously, radar helping him look. Um, I, I just find you look at his, his results. He hasn't been great at all for a long time. Um, and yet there he is. You know, he's third in the world. He finishes a shot outside the playoff on Sunday, which for me is is an unbelievable result because he left, what, six, seven, eight shots out of there easily over the weekend. Yeah. Um, he, he doesn't look happy. And I just think it's a measure of, let's forget, what was done, what was said. Um, it's a measure of the man's ability as a golfer that he can turn out results like this because when he does get it right, uh, it's, it's you know, he's, he's, oh, he's going to be dangerous, isn't he? Well, that was the thing. Is he, so he apologised after Saturday's round, which I think it was good for him to to come and say it straight away and not, you know, I think a lot of the time they, they kind of let it go under, you know, on the wayside, don't talk about it for four days, sort of pretend it didn't happen and hope people forget about it. And he he come right out and made an apology Sunday, then goes and shoots seven under par. Um, like you say, left shots out there as well. Um, and then comes out and says the furthest, you know, the furthest thing, you know, away from his mind was golf. And, and he was preoccupied by what he said and how bad he felt. And you think, well, if he can perform like that under that kind of circumstance, that does speak of, of his ability. I think, you know, we, we do 
we do have you know quite often have chats about this about who's the sort of best when they're at their best and and i think it's probably between him and dustin i know a lot of people obviously say roy mcelroy but um he just he just seems a serial well he's a serial winner isn't he um and he just always seems to be up there i just i don't know what it is about his demeanor i don't know martin have you noticed at all about his sort of on course behavior i know obviously this week is obviously a, a big example of it um and obviously what he said was unacceptable and I think the the main problem people have got at the moment is the PJ Tour not very transparent when they find people and things like that, and I think that's going to be a big issue again this week. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, obviously we've got two slightly separate um, things we're touching on here. From a go- golfing point of view, uh, I think he's, like you say, he's obviously a serial winner, and he expects to win sort of pretty much every time he tees it up, as, as obviously you know, all the top top guys do, like him and, him and DJ. Um, and... Um, yeah, particularly on a course like that where he knows that he can have his well C game, and um, he knows the course that well that he can he can be right up there. And as you say, as, as Jason said, sort of he was in the carriage every other time he used the driver. So, uh, um, so yeah, from a golfing point of view, I think he's just hard on himself, and um, you know gets frustrated and when he's striping his irons as he often does and missing the putts and miss, missing the putts and whatever that obviously. Um, gets to him but from the point of view of, of, of what he said obviously regardless of what he's doing on the golf course then it's just not acceptable and, and yeah he, 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 he came out and obviously like you say he didn't wait till sort of an agent or someone told him he needed to come out and say something um, uh, you know he was straight out there acknowledging what, what he said and um, was completely wrong uh, and um, I mean I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying he, he, he should be banned or, or, or what have you I wouldn't, I wouldn't Go, go to that extreme, but um, I certainly think a fine's appropriate. And uh, bearing in mind the amount of money he won at the weekend, uh, and obviously he's been say say it's not my money, but um, perhaps he, he could be sort of looking for, for some appropriate charitable causes and, and, and what have you. And um, yeah, ho- hopefully in his own words he can he can learn from it and become a better person. And, and we, we never obviously want to hear anything like that, that again from him, him or anyone else. And um, yeah. Um, pretty much covers it i think yeah i think i think the thing is isn't it is that not because i find it not hilarious but i find it unnecessary how much they apologize and commentary when a player says the f word you know in terms of swearing or or they say you know shit away you know whatever it is that they say that upsets people and they think they've got to apologize because kids are watching i think that you know that's completely acceptable these are human beings they're on the golf course expletives are fine jason aren't they that's why we've got the explicit sign next to our podcast um <laughs> you know and and people make me swear all the time and i and, and i'm not going to sit here and be the, the moral compass uh, and i hate cancel culture so i'm certainly not going to be the type of person who says right ban him for three months make an example of him it's, you know it's not necessary i think what the problem is, is is the word that came out of his mouth is something that that shouldn't be the first word in his lips when he misses a putt and i think that's what is obviously causing a bit of a stir and i think Although I, d- I don't think you're ever going to change somebody, you know, like that. I don't think he, I don't think he means it in the way to be offensive. I don't think he hates gay people. I don't anything like that. I think, I think it's just a word that he doesn't associate with anything other than just getting annoyed at himself. Um, but maybe it's a case of he has to go in on an education program. He has to go out and seek, like Martin said, a charitable cause, uh, and just just to be seen to be doing something, and then we can kind of move on from it. Because I don't think you can ban him from events. If you, if you ban him from the PJ Tour for I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks. He'll just go to the European Tour. He's playing there next week, so it's not, it's not a case of doing that. And he's certainly, you know, out of the four hundred ninety thousand he earned last week, I don't think he's gonna be, he's gonna miss twenty grand, is he? So, it's hard to think of what is the right thing to do. But uh, 
I think more for me, Jason, what it is, is that I'm concerned about how he looks on the golf course. I, I said it after the PGA or at the PGA. I said it in the following, you know, CJ Cut. He just, he just looks a little bit down. I don't know if it's a case of because he's now surrounded himself with Tiger so much that Tiger's so expecting of himself and so hard on himself and he doesn't play well that that that's sort of rubbing off on Justin Thomas and that's what makes him so good. But maybe just bearing on him a bit too much at the moment. We cut unless he says anything. We can't possibly second guess his 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 mental attitude to it. Like I say, from from where I'm standing, I, I find it remarkable that he's he's returning these performances, um, and yet it's not you're not you know he's not leaving shots in terms of missing a five foot putt or anything like that. I mean, it, it's just some of his play is is shocking. Now whether it's off the tee. Uh, whether he misjudges an iron, whatever it is, some of it during a tournament is terrible. And it's, it's just a measure of a man's ability that um, he, he can finish where he does. And I, I'm not going to go down the other route because, you know, I've got my view and uh, it's, you know, it, it's unnecessary to, to say what that is. So um, purely on a golf point of view, I think once, once he sorts himself out, um, they're all in trouble, really. Uh, maybe, as you say, dusting aside, I think they're all in trouble. I, I think, I mean, obviously, sorry, Tom, I, I think obviously you, you, you're touching on his golf there, there, there Jason. Mm. You say he hits he, he hits, um, he hits a few wild ones, but I think as well you've been talking, I, I've been, I'm sure you guys realize I've pulled up his results so far this season and, and going sort of um, most recent first yesterday, he's gone three, third, 12th, fourth, second, 12th, eighth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, eighth and fourth in the, the two majors, so um, so th- th- there's not really too much wrong to be fair to say, no. and, uh, and um, yeah, he, he's. Um, I think it's he, just a case of he expect he expects too much for himself, basically, and um, looks at maybe what DJ's done. We got to remember as well, DJ is um, what DJ's mid thirties, thirty six, something like that. Um, you know, just has hit his peak basically, and um, uh, Thomas is um, I think twenty seven. So uh, you know he's got a, got a few years on him. So I, I think, as you say, um, uh, by the time he hits hits his peak, um, watch out, everyone else. I think. Well, I certainly I mean, don't think I've sorry, Tom. Go on, mate. Sorry, Tom. I mean, you look at somebody like Harry Singlish. I know we're not talking. You know, we're talking top class, then we're talking elite when we talk about these two. Um, but everything Harry Singlish done over three days was perfection. He had to hit the fairway, which is what he did. He had to hit the greens, which is what he did, and he made some putts. And that uh, just in comparison, I know we're not comparing, but he finished one shot ahead of a man that nosed up a quarter of his tournament through through whatever reason that it was. You know, it, it's just like Martin said, it's just remarkable the figures that he could put together. And and uh, you know, I don't think I could ever back him because he's always going to be too short. But you know, when he gets it right, he's going to win. He's going to win tournaments by five, six, seven shots, no problem. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like we say, I think he's very hard on himself. He expects a lot. That's probably a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, putter is, you know, sometimes an issue. And, and, and that's about it, really, with him. Um, recapping last week from a golfing perspective, obviously we've touched on it. Harris English has won the golf tournament. Uh, unfortunately, to Martin's dismay uh, over Joaquin Neiman in a playoff. Um <laughs> You know, Joaquin Neiman shoots a 64 to get into that playoff. Anyway, Harris English does the sort of classic hang on if you like shoots a 69 in the final round which you know is four under par but um it's been coming jason isn't it we've been speaking about harris english for for a long time now and i, and I sort of said towards the end of last year 
before that Pez tournament with Matt Kuchar that that it was disappointing that he hadn't got his victory that you know the former deserved and and you kind of hoped he did it before the form deserts him because no one can keep it up for quite that long and he and he's managed to keep lightning the bottle for the first week of January get the win in a, in elite company and now he can kind of you know I don't think he's suddenly going to down tools but probably takes the pressure off a little bit and maybe Freeze much played just as good a golf going forward yeah he's been, he's been impressive for quite a while isn't he without looking like he's going to get over the line he's he's fortunate that he's got into to the tournament of champions without being a champion um <laughs> which you know whatever but it's a it, 2020 was a funny year so we can let him off for that can't we um but it, you know he's been banging in the figures isn't he consistently and and for three days um you know you talk about dj looking languid i mean he was you know double languid if there's such a such a thing i mean he nothing it was just it was golf by numbers really i thought for him it was nothing spectacular but it was just you know you look at it and you go how are they not all doing this how are they not hitting the you know these massive fairways in the right area you know uh, uh proximity there's a pin was fine he was knocking them in uh, and, and where he needed to save he saved but uh, you know to be honest there wasn't he was, I think he was third in greens in reg, so he wasn't having to scramble that much. Um, he did look, at the beginning of yesterday, I'm being harsh, he did look as though it, it could have got away from him, um, where he had to start scrambling a lot more than he had been for three days. But fair play, you know, he's, he's in that position. Um, his playing partners, you know, started playing not exactly fantastic. Um, so he's under pressure to keep it going. And he came again, you know, he saw Hovland coming through the field, I presume. Had to do what he had to do. Birdied the last, could have eagled it, and uh, then goes to win the playoffs. So fair play to him. He is a champion now, isn't he? Um, and he's back here next year. So yeah, he's he's got the perfect game, isn't he, for for somewhere like this? So um, yeah, well played. Yeah, so Martin, you know, it's just over seven years um, between his last, between this victory and the last. Um, and like Jason said, you know, he looked pretty cool in that down down the stretch and. I think there was expected to be a little bit of you know nerves early on in the round because of because of what it means to him because of how long it's been, um, but he he's got the golf game that that when he's on, um, that, that there's very little that that's missing is there you know he's very solid across the board as opposed to stand out in any one area I know his ball striking has been superb for for a little while now and you know he's coming to a golf tournament now where obviously proximity and approach is a, is a big factor. He's also come to a golf course where he's had some extraordinary finishes. I mean, he's had a two third and fourth place finishes, back to back in 14 15 when he was last in decent form, finished 22nd here in 2019. You know, it doesn't it doesn't look great for the rest of the field. I know it's hard to go back to back, but and the, you know, the price doesn't really grab anyone's attention or what I thought, but he's uh, he's got makes a good case to go back to back, I think. Yeah, I mean, um, uh... Well, Justin Thomas did it a few years ago, did the uh, yeah. Hawaii double. So, um, but uh, I mean, obviously going back to his, his, his win this weekend, and um, I mean, like you say, he's been doing everything great for uh, well six six months plus now. So uh, certainly since since lockdown, and um, uh, I mean Ben Ben Coley's obviously a, a, been sort of um, really touting him for the last uh, last last few months, understandably. And uh, I know he's put him up anti post for the Masters, I think, purely based on on the price. And you know he's um, going to come up trumps there because that price will uh, 
be be gone now, obviously based on that win, because the only thing that was missing was the win. But um, yeah, I mean, he started slowly yesterday, uh, and like you say, it looked like the classic sort of last group final round sort of Sunday stall with um, him and Palmer not really doing anything, and um, uh, Palmer obviously sort of. Um, uh, lots of few birdies in right right at the death um, when it was when it was too late. So um, he was basically um, done for when I think it was the par three eleventh. He um, put it in the in the shrubbery. So um, but uh, yeah, English made what four birdies in five holes or something early in the back nine. So all, all credit to him and um, you know Neiman threw everything at him. Um, unfortunately, from my my point of view, um, <laughs> he um, uh, he just stalled at the, at the death as it were when he, he couldn't pick up a birdie on either of the par fives down the stretch and um i'm, I'm not gonna grumble at a man who shot a nine under you know bogey free final day but uh, if he just hold the birdie putt at the last um but then obviously english had, a, had an eagle putt that equally could have hold so uh, um i know it was quite uh, i mean just touching on neiman there was was quite a, a couple of things i mean it was quite a bit of talk about whether he should have gone to the range um, after we'd finished, as opposed to having, having a burger with Sergio, whatever he was doing. So, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, he looked so relaxed and calm, and um, you know he, he hadn't really shown any nerves all day until maybe that last last part. That um, and to be fair, he striped his tee shot as well on the first playoff hole, about 20 yards beyond where English was. So um, I don't really think that had t- too much bearing on on, on things. And um, yeah, we're going to see a heck of a lot more of Neiman this year as we are of English, obviously. Uh, I suppose just on Neiman, guys, the things that the thing that bugs me the most, and um, he's, he's, he sort of seems to get left out of the conversation of, um, you know, constantly on, on the TV, the guys in America talking about Wolf Hovland and Morikawa and who's the best. And obviously Morikawa's got the major under his belt. But um, Neiman's a year or so younger than him at Hovland. Um, and, um, you know, he was world amateur number one for nearly a year or something. And um, he's the real deal. And um, he just never seems to come up in the conversation, really, which is, is a bit strange. But he'll, he'll be winning again, again this year, I'm sure. And um, like you say, English goes to um, Honolulu in, um, you know, with, with everything going for him. It's interesting what you say because while you were talking, it was, it was going to be the thing that I did mention is because me and Jason have mentioned it quite a few times on the podcast that there always seems to be one player that kind of gets forgotten between the three and four of them. And it was always, at the start, I was always beating the Hovland drum saying I don't think there's a big discrepancy between him and Morikawa. Um, and then Morikawa won the major championship and you think, okay, maybe no, Morikawa was the one that stands out. Then Matthew Wolf goes and has two good finishes at the major championship. You think, oh, maybe it's him and he's that little bit younger. Um, you know, but lucky Neiman won the, the Greenbrier in 2019. Um, you know, he's shown plenty of potential so far. He's had a good, you know, he's played in the, the President's Cup. Um, you know, it wasn't the best record he had there, but, you know, he certainly had the experience already. Um, I think with him, maybe there's there's possibly a little bit of inconsistency, but in terms of just pure uh, ability, there there certainly isn't much between them. And I think it's a case, Jason, of which everyone gets hot on on any given week. And I think that you know how what's the point in trying to separate the four of them? Why not just you know just enjoy the fact that we're all good, all as good as one another? Yeah, it's too it's too hard to do that. I mean, you've only got to look at. Uh, I mean, Hovland was disappointing i thought um uh, over the weekend to be honest with you i know he, he had an okay score on saturday but I, I did think he was disappointing i thought he looked like he was really going to challenge um 
Look, it's like looking at somebody when that when Spieth and Thomas came along. You know, everyone looked at everyone looked at Spieth. Then then we were all talked about it. Justin was his mate. Um, and look what's happened now. So there's no point speculating because, you know, uh, shit happens, doesn't it? Um, uh, like you say, they're, they're fantastic players. They're great to watch on the right course. They're awesome. Uh, and I just think the gulf between, you know, maybe we had a top handful and then, you know, like I say, the elite and then the top class of, of 10, 12, 15 players after that. Um, it's becoming narrower and narrower and narrower. And uh, we, we said it last week, Mike. These kids are ready to run. These kids are ready to run early. They're ready to run at 19. Um, so by the time they're 22, 23, um, you know they can compete with any of the any of the you know players that you know they'd be watching on television 10 years ago, winning decent tournaments. So it, it, there's no point speculating. From our point of view, it's it's you know how good they are, um, and and you know we we bet them. So it's a price point, isn't it? But on any given point, if the if the course suits. If you tip Hovland and Nyman wins, or if you tip Wolf and um, Bryson wins, or you know it's Salavi, they're, they're all so good that you know one shot around and, and it's cost you 10, 12 places, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Just on on Hovland, Jason. Um, uh, I think I'm right in saying he's withdrawn from this week, so I don't know oh, if um, I don't know if there was an issue there or whether that's just a scheduling thing or, or whatever. But um, I, I must have not seen anything on it. Has he withdrawn? Think, is he? Uh, I think he has withdrawn. Yeah, I'll stand. I'll stand. I'll just try and double check all the talk. But uh, I think he has withdrawn. He's not. He's not okay. in the odds. Okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think he withdrew sort of late yesterday. I think right. um, I saw Rob Bolton tweet it out. I think. Yeah, it might be tired. Okay. Well, Patrick Reed is also out. He's withdrawn in, in the last yeah. couple of hours or so, which is obviously why we can see a, a sea of blue on the prices. Um, Favourite this week is Webb Simpson. Uh, you know, fairly obvious, although there, there is the, the slight concern that he is still recovering from, from COVID and the isolation period. He looked certainly looked capable last week, shooting 16 under par. And Jason, we talk about him all the time, of, of how consistent he is. Um Tied 17th was hardly a disgrace. He's only, you know, it's a big difference, but nine shots off the lead. Um, what, what do you make of him as, as favourite this week amongst, you know, Colin Morikawa, Harris English, uh, 14 60 to 1, uh, Daniel Berger and Sung JM at 18 and 20s? Looks short, doesn't he? Um, I know we're fans. We're fans of Webb. And, uh, look, you know, I, I went through, there are a number of courses that I'm sure are covered in, in, in most articles where there's, cor- you know, correlation in form. They're obvious ones, uh, you know, Mike over Texas, Barracudas, Houston, Phoenix, Greenbright, all that sort of tournament. And when you look at some of them, you do instantly think of the Webb Simpsons and stuff like that. Um, and I also made notes against all those that played last week and their qualification for this tournament. And if you go back to see see um, the, the significance of, of previous winners, you know, in the strokes game passing, for example, par four performance, I'm sure Martin's done this in his article. Um, you know, strokes game patting, par four performance, um, having to virtually have had to play the week before. Um, you know, I've got to be honest, 80% of them have stunning references for, for this week. Um, and so therefore, 12 to one, I could, even if he was in top form, I'd happily leave him alone. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, you have to respect, you have to respect the win at Heritage, wins in Phoenix, Shriners. Um, Canada actually pops up quite a few times if you look if you look hard enough at some of the previous places um but yeah 12 to 1 looks looks too short not not only in this class 
you've got that doubt about whether he's 100%. I know that um, your mate Paul Tesori said he was 80% last week, didn't he? Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This, is a, this is a really good field. And uh, that's I wouldn't be considering anybody at 12-12. Maybe Justin Thomas if he'd have turned up. But he'd be the only, he'd be the only player that I'd consider at that price. Yeah, and, and going on that link of, you know, how, yeah, I think however many it is that have, have won here after playing at the Tournament of Champions, it seems to be a prerequisite to success here. Martin, do you think that a lot of that is based on just the fact that, you know, if you're in the Tournament of Champions field anyway, you've had a good season, you're you're generally most of the time an elite player, and then you're coming to an event that's people's first events of the year after a long break-off. Um, do you think there's any, anything more than that, or do you think that there is a case of, you know, sharpening at all after a Christmas break because it wasn't that long ago that people have played the Maya Cobra, and I guess some some of it's getting used to wins, but that that varies from year to year as well. I think, I mean, yeah, obviously there is a you know a logic to the fact, as you say, that the best players are the guys who have played last week, so you know, they're the ones who are more likely to win the tournament, and um, yeah, so there's, there's going to be an element to that. But then if you look at those last, um, and it's, it's in my preview, look at the last 10 winners um, here in, in, in Sony, seven, seven of them, as you say, had played the week before. Um, but of those seven, I mean, you know, we are looking at names like um, Fabian Gomez, um, Johnson Wagner, uh, Patton Kizaya, who had had the win right at the back end of the previous season at the Mayakoba, uh, or previous year, I should say. So, so it's not necessarily a case of obviously we have had Thomas sort of, you know, going back to back and what have you. And, um, uh, Cooch obviously, um, won the Mayakoba and then, then won here, um, a couple of years ago. But it's not, it's not necessarily a case of the fact that, uh, it, it's all the big guns, if you like. And, and then if you throw in also, I and mean, we've got seven out of ten, but then if you throw in the fact that Cam Smith won here last year, uh, and he came on the back of, um, President's Cup and um, obviously the general sort of Australian sort of major season, if you like. Um, so he, he was sharp well into December. Uh, and then, all right, obviously he wasn't at the century, but he played here, you know, early in January and, and literally sort of probably three weeks after he last teed it up or something and, um, uh, and won. So I, I do think that the sharpness counts for something. Yeah, I, I think that's... Um, so, so, I mean, I, you know, when we get on some specific picks, um, uh, I've certainly focused on on players who, who, who teed it up last week. Yeah, before we come to your your, your shortest selection, Jason, any of the top three or four in the betting that made appeals to you? No, uh, I mean, look, you know, English doesn't win last week. If English finishes fourth, you put him up, don't you? Because mm. he's got he's got the he's got the wins at the FedEx and Jude. He's got the win at Mayakoba. And he's played well at the Century Tournament of Champions. I mean, that is that is three massive guides to this tournament. Um, I can't see him going back to back. Just you know, twelve to one, fourteen to one, sixteen to one. I think is best for the top three. This is this is a this is a field of, you know, there are some people right down the right down the list that that are very very capable of winning this. That have got. I won't go too far, but certainly won't be you know won't be wanting to take. Um, 15, 6, 21, what we talk about, 4-1, roughly, uh, those through winning the tournament? No, 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 no thanks. No, I certainly think, I look at this event, and I know that the trend is there for people that played last week, but I look at this event as an outsider's event. I think it's very capable, you know, just the names of people that have just been listed there, obviously, Pat and Gazzai was in good form, Fabian Gomez, Russell Henley won his very first PGA Tour start, Johnson Wagner's not exactly a, 
and you know a serial winner mark wilson has a handful of wins but they're they're few and far between and, and spread out ryan palmer as we know has his struggles winning and has won here um so i think it's something that can be open to a three-figure price um but martin i know you're keen on sung jm this week and, and i can certainly see the logic behind it but i'll let you go off and, and say your piece on him yeah i mean um you, you know the guy had actually to to thread back some conversation we were about having about Wolf Hobland, Morikawa, Neiman. Well, Sung Jay's obviously in that conversation <laughs> as well. Because, yeah. uh, um, and I suppose the thing with the Wolf Hobland, Morikawa is he's a college thing, isn't it? I guess and that's why Sung Jay's coming to the conversation or Neiman or whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, Sung Jay, I mean, what's not to like about him, really? I mean, he was, um, he, he led the field, um, um, Tita Green last week. Um, he loves the Bermuda Greens. He, he's not got huge form on these sort of correlating tracks like a Hilton Head or a Mayakoba, but he's um, obviously won by the coast on the Bermuda at the Honda. Uh, he won in the Bahamas as well, which is he's obviously well, it's back, you know, he was on the Corn Ferry, which is a, uh, another coastal event. So, and he just he's, he's there every week. He's, he's teed it up here twice. Uh, and um, I think without just checking my notes, I think it was 21st and 18th or, or something in his, his two previous visits. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, but of course, this year he's got the um, uh, got got the sort of uh, run out under his belt, as it were. So, uh, and he's the sort of player that he's going to he's gonna go on and win again and again, you know. So, he's a major champion in the future, obviously, fantastic at the Masters last year. So, um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I was expecting him to be shorter than twenty to one. I mean, I know that twenty to one probably would have been pretty much going if not gone now because the reads withdrawal. But um, uh, I was expecting him to be closer to sort of um, you know Morikawa or what, what have you in the market. I mean, I can see why Simpson's favourite, um, but like you say, he's, he's a bit short. So Brandon Mine is potentially not one hundred percent. But I'd certainly rather be on him than. You know, Burger. I know Burger's got the, the link with um, the, the FedEx and Jude, but um, uh, yeah, I, I think um, everything points to Sung Jae for me this week. I think the thing with him that's so impressive is that he came out firing, didn't he, straight from the Corn Ferry Tour and 16th on his debut here, first time he'd ever seen the golf course. Backs up with 21st place finish, which suggests that he's playing well enough on the golf course. So then, like you say, this is the first year he's doing it off the back of playing in tournament champions. That may have a you know a significant you know factor. And if it if he does go on to win this week, which is very possible, then that would sort of strengthen that case, I think, because that would be the difference between him finishing 16th, 20th after a little break and, and actually getting the win. Fifth place last week, and that really should have been better because I think he was at 36th or 35th in the field out of Putton. Um so his ball striking was was as good as anybody. Um, there's not a lot that needs to go you know, different for him this week to to turn it into a victory, does it? Yeah, I mean he's, he's um, just to come back. I mean he's, he he was obviously new to those surfaces at Kapalua last week, and they're obviously notoriously tricky to to get to grips with first time out. Um, but the other thing I I, I liked was the fact that um, it's his approach play that sort of let him down here a, a, a bit before, and he's actually improved that this season and um you know i think he's it's a lot you know in the 90th and 80th in, in approach play the last couple of years and uh, uh he's up in the 30s on approach play so far this season i know we've got too far into the season and, and um uh he hit it well from you, you know as i say t to green his approach play was good good last week so if you can bring the 
approach play, along with his strong ball striking that he's had here off the tee on his two previous visits. And, you know, that's everything we need, really. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think for me, Jason, when we think of Sanjay Im, I don't think of him as, you know, he doesn't get linked as one of these great ball strikers. I seem to remember on the Corn Ferry, he led the, the, the sort of uh, tour in greens and regulations. You don't have strokes gained on there. And I'm guessing he probably doesn't put it... He doesn't have as many birdie opportunities as others, and he kind of makes it with his putting as opposed to close proximity play. And I guess that could come into effect this week. That he doesn't quite put it close enough. But Martin made a point there with you know the massive greens and and he's new to them, and that could be a significant factor to his putting. And it, like I said, it shouldn't take too much for him to go on and improve this week. I'm in trouble here because I'm against two Sanjay Im fans. Because I know, <laughs> I know you are. Um, I don't deny his ability what concerns me is his putting I must be honest um, there were several times over the weekend when it, the putt literally went right off the putter um, and I, I just wonder whether you know we're in the same area um, I, I, I'm not I'm just not convinced about his putting I don't think three four days is enough to get that right I, I, I haven't been for a short while, I'm not denying his ball striking skill and his iron play. I just think he's going to need to putt better this week and it's going to have to maybe come from nowhere. Um, I mean, last year here, he certainly should have got top 10. His, his final round was, was below average. Um, there were several, not just picking on him. <laughs> um, uh, that, that's what worries me. I mean, look, like I say, he's got huge credentials if you want the creative form, the Honda, the Bahamas. You know, Phoenix, Canada, blah, blah, blah. Um, but so have many. And, and I just remain unconvinced about the short stick at the moment. I think the thing is, like, like we were saying there, is that this is, although there there is a strong trend of people playing the week before, there's plenty of people that played the week before that are available at larger odds. Some that you're, you're going to go on to, Jason, those one you're particularly keen on. Um, and, you, you know... Which you it, can slag off in turn. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll dream of doing that. But the... There are, I think it's an open event. I think that's the thing. I, I think this, my Cobra at the end of the year, this, I think there are so many people that can win. I look at 20, 25 guys, 30 guys that can win. I think it's hard to be really bullish about someone at short price. We've then got Hideki Matsuyama, who's going to finish 20th at 20 to 1. So, you know, I mean, he was, was he dead last, last week in a, in a 42 man field? Uh, oh no, he tied in the end with, with Mackenzie Hughes after a, a blistering 68 in the final round. So um, I'd certainly remain unconvinced by him. I was surprised, actually, Martin, you didn't go back to the well with Neiman at 25 to 1. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad you um, brought that up because it was it's a real, it, will, it was a dilemma. And um, um, hopefully I'm not kicking myself this time come, come Sunday. <laughs> if he's in the hunt, I'll probably try to save right or something like that. Um, it, it was one of those where. Uh, I, I don't like backing players who have come so close to winning the week before. Uh, and, um, I mean, obviously there are examples. I mean, Carl Stanley's the, the, the obvious one that springs to mind of, of someone, and obviously Neiman didn't throw this away, but of someone sort of lo- losing out, um, shall we say, in tough circumstances um, and then um, coming back the following week and um, doing the business. But uh, um, I just thought he'd, he'd shortened up enough for me. Um I mean, obviously, I understand the field was greater quality last week from the point of view of the, the top end, but um, he'd shown the, the form on the course, obviously, the previous year, and, of course, there was a lot less runners. So uh, I was happier at the 
bigger odds last week and um i just i couldn't see my way past sunjay and i'm also very keen on abraham answer uh, and I, I couldn't find a way to back three obviously you, you know sort of sub 30 to one so uh something you had to give and um yeah because because there's a the other thing that sort of had me going on about it is there's a link obviously with Neiman having won the Greenbrier, which is Seth Rayner's other design on the PGA <laughs> Tour. So uh, to to, to Wiley. So um, yeah. Um, so I'll uh, yeah hope he doesn't win in a playoff on Sunday in some case. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this is what I was going to come to because I thought well you were so keen on him last week at thirty five to one. You now take away Dustin Johnson, Bryce DeChambeau, uh, and, uh, Victor Hovland, and a couple of other names as well in there. John Rahm. Um, He's finished second at the Tournament of Champions, also finished fifth last year, so he clearly likes Hawaii. He's then got a first and a fifth at the Seth Rainer course at the Greenbrier, fifth at the Heritage, which is a correlating course. Um, obviously in great form. And, you know, okay, I take the fact that he's 25 to 1, there's, you know, 100 extra runners, but, you know, 50 of them you can put a line through, or 60 of them you can put a line through anyway. Um I was just I was just surprised when I saw it. I thought I know he was one of the ones to follow anyway for the year before yeah, even last week. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and I mentioned about the Sony as being a you know a tournament potentially for him with um, with the Seth Rayner Greenbrier link. So uh, yeah, all right, I'll have to go and edit my my, my preview <laughs> chat. No, only joking, listeners. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, uh, um, no I, I, I don't know. You just got to go um, got to go with your, your gut. And I just felt the fact that he'd lost out in the playoff um i mean obviously the real deal is a bit special so maybe he'll just put that behind him and just come out and win by six this week or something but um uh i, I just felt that um losing out of the playoff um you know i didn't really want to go back back to the world with him this week so uh, we we live or die by the sword in this game this there is potential that he doesn't actually like this course i mean he didn't play yeah, I mean, 50 he didn't play last, last year was he but then um, course four doesn't really count for too much years, to be honest no that's but, that's a struggle i think yeah. people I think he's actually been priced based on the fact that his course finished last year. And I think if you can ignore that, which is possible, um, yeah. you know, his second in strokes going approach last week, obviously a big yeah. factor. Jason, any thoughts on Wacky Neiman before we move on? Uh, you can get four Wacky Neimans into one Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, enlightening as ever, we'll go, on, we'll go on to your next pick, Martin, with, with Abraham Anson. Now, I, I will let you speak on Abraham Anson before I have an opinion on him. Um, Jason obviously knows my opinion on Abraham answer, um, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. and I'll let you make the case for him. <laughs> okay, um, if you look at the winners of this event, um, if we sort of put JT's back to back to one side, we're, we're looking for guys. This was the other thing that sort of led me away from um, uh, Neiman. We're, we're looking at guys who have, have potentially played the week before, but not necessarily been right in the hunt the week before. I, I think Walker was second century and 15 but other than that you know Gomez was 6 because I 15 Kucher 19th and, and answer was obviously sl- slow out the gates first start of the year first Friday but then he, he really picked it up over the weekend um, he gained um, you know Sunday was his best best day by far uh, he gained um, three and a half strokes and three strokes um, in um, a, a, a approach play and, and off the tee and what have you for the last two days Um he has the form on the courses that matter if we're going to look at correlating course form. Uh, obviously, uh, and of course, he's, he's 
Mexican, but he's got uh, got form at the Mayakoba coming out of his ears. Um, he got to um, second place, I believe it was, at Hilton Head. He's played well at Sawgrass. So everything just point, pointed me to him. He, he, he's, he's sort of, um, yeah. Uh, now, I know he's not won yet, but um, he, he's got the game for here. He puttered the lights out last week as well. Um, and uh, as I say, it was only really his... Um, his long game over the first couple of days that stopped him being, being right in the hunt. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll let you shoot me down in flames now, Tom. <laughs> well, Jason, I'll let you, I know you're a fan of Abraham Anzer, so I'll let you add any comments you want to add to that first before I say what I need to say. No, I do like him. I think he's a real quality player. Um, it's a shame he hasn't gone over the line yet. Um, yeah, I mean, Martin's covered it all. There's nothing really to add. Um, he has, again, he's another one of, of sort of 18, 20 that played last week with huge uh, correlative form. Um, his, his accuracy, his teeter green is fantastic. Um, and his par three performances used to be awesome as well. Um, may dropped a little bit last year. Um, I, I, I agree with Martin. The only thing that, that, that would put me off again is the price. Can you make him bigger? Not really. Can I back him at 28? No. So, um, you know, pay your money, you take your choice. I, I perfectly agree. I think he's a very, very high quality player. And I think once he wins, to use you and Murray's uh, thing, I think he'll win plenty more after that. Um, but I need to see him win it first. And uh, I don't know, there's, there's times when he's got into contention and, and for whatever reason, it's not happened. And I'm sure he was bigger earlier on. Uh, 28 is blue. So what was he, 30, 33? I don't know what Martin's put him up. I put, his eye uh, I put him up at 30s. Um, obviously, again, it's... Um because Reed's withdrawal sort of yeah. at the 11th hour has thrown the market a little bit, but I, I put him up in the 30s and yeah. I'm just looking now. He's, um, yeah, he's, he's 28 now. I mean, first eight, yeah, I, I, I absolutely. I can see that being a, a, a reasonably safe each way, but yeah, he's a quality, quality ball striker. That, that's the thing. I think he's safe. That, that That's the thing with me with him. I think that if you're, if you're looking for a place bet, uh, if you're looking for someone that's going to be potentially in the mix on Sunday, I think you know he's there. I think the thing that concerns me, that concerns me at the Heritage, is when he was at the Heritage, he played, he was strokes going top of everything and still couldn't win. Then he finished his hmm. third in putting last week. Uh, okay, I know why he didn't win last week because he, he struggled off the tee in the, in the earlier uh, in the early rounds and and he actually fought himself back really well. My my concern with him is is that I would just rather, and I say it about a couple of other players, I'd rather just take him in a in a bigger event and a harder event at 66s because I just think he's just as light. I don't think it's one of those ones where he's going to flat track a course. There's obviously the likes of Webb Simpson, Colin Morikawa, Harris English, Berger, Ian, but it's not like he's he's the top grade of the person in the field. And and I actually think you can make him bigger. I think you can make him sort of 33s and 41. I mean, everyone talks about the fact that Ryan Palmer doesn't win. I mean, he's at least, he's won four times, one of which is, you know, more down to John Rahm. So, but you have those three wins, and then you've got three uh, playoff losses as well. So you conceivably could have six PJ Tour victories, one of which came here. Um, and, and Ryan Palmer's bigger than him. I mean, I, you know, I think maybe I'm a bit of a Ryan Palmer apologist, and, and I, I won't back him this week because he's, he's 33 to one instead of 100 to one, and and he's he's probably not going to win. But I, I do just think that uh, what it is with Abraham Answer, I think he's he's someone that's came out, and he don't get me wrong, he's put an incredibly solid bank of form together since he's come on the PJ Tour and he's been consistent ever since and and he's certainly seen because he went for a little bit of a rough patch and then seems to have brought it back since the Shriners a full 13th, 12th, 17th everything's there to suggest like you say that he can win and will win at some point soon I just think 
I would rather let him play well this week and finish eighth, which is, is probably something that he will do. Um, wait until the big boys are back at Torrey Pines, somewhere like that. I know maybe not Torrey Pines is probably a bad example because it's a bit of a longer golf course for him, but somewhere where he's going to be a bigger price and take him on them because I don't think I don't think the course uh, is perfect for him. I don't think he's an elite proximity to the whole player that that really fits the bill. I just think for me there there's sort of other people elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Kevin Kisner comes up next. I never know what to do with Kevin Kisner. He obviously has a great, you know, course form here and should suit him to an event. But I think thirty to one short on somebody that you know hasn't won for a little while. Um, Adam Scott's here at thirty-three to one. As ever with Adam Scott, uh, his ball striking's in great form. Third and tenth for the last two times in strokes gain approach. Uh, can't putt. I'm not going to keep beating the same drum of Adam Scott. Didn't uh, he ditch the rubber handle last week? Sorry to bother Yeah, he, yeah. So <laughs> what I couldn't figure out is he was putting well before Christmas, uh, yeah. and then decided to get rid of it. And I know, I think it's, I think he hates the stigma that's around the putting, and I think he wants because he's so good, he wants to be good with the you know the other putter and and the correct technique if you like. Um, and that's to his detriment when when he uses the one that suits him, he seems to putt really well. And I just think just. Just get on with it. Just enjoy it. Get your wins, etc. I know, obviously, Webb Simpson's ditched the long putter and, and come back and, and transformed his game. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It puts me off that he's, he's got rid of that for now. Um, and he also said in an interview that there's about 12 events a year that are actually worth going to. Um, and and then the others are just for entertainment for the tour. So I don't think he's going to be taking it too, too seriously this week. Then you've got Russell Henley, who we alluded to uh, earlier as someone that won this on his first ever PGA Tour start. Uh, and he was a bit like English, wasn't he, last year, Jason, where he was coming to uh, you know, a run of form where it really looked like he was going to get a victory, looked like he should get a victory and capitalise on it. Didn't. Uh, and, and kind of petered out towards the end. He had two top 30s and then a missed cut to finish the year. Um uh, what do you make of his chances this week? Do you, do you see him as someone that you might be interested in following? Yeah, he should have won the CJ Cup in front. Um, yeah. Plodded along. Um, hasn't had a run. Miscut in Mayakoba. No interest, thank you. No, I, ju- I just think he was slightly too short. Martin, I'm assuming you echo those, those comments as well. Yeah, he's, I mean, the market's quite with him now. Obviously, he's, um, he's on the sort of Harris English trajectory a bit. As you say, he slightly went off the ball back end of right very end of last year but uh he had a patch where he was sort of on fire and i was he was he was my man for a little while and um i forget which one of um the playoff events that uh he um he, he finished in the frame out i was on, i was on him and got a nice each way return on him but um uh yeah he, he's um i suspect he'll be winning again soon and um he's obviously bought one for the bermuda so if we assume it doesn't happen this week then probably uh, florida's gonna be his, his, his chance but um uh, yeah, he wasn't for me this week, though. No, that's fair enough. Billy Horschel, Jason, I know you don't really like Billy Horschel, and unless anyone's got anything else, we'll just move on from him. Uh, Matt Kuchar, ever since not paying his caddy, has is, is kind of gone off the boil. Zach Johnson's a name that kind of interests me, because I mentioned in our Jason last year that he was kind of rounded into some form uh, and looked like the sort of Zach Johnson of old. And, and if that is the case, because it certainly seems to be at the moment, um, he should go well here because you know he played well last time out. He was sixth at the RSM, which is obviously a correlating course to this. And this, these are sort of right up his alley. He's a previous winner of this event. Um, 
40 to 1 maybe isn't something to get too excited about with Zach Johnson, but he certainly seems to be back on the right path again. Yeah, interesting that him and Kucher are priced the same, aren't they? <laughs> you know, it's uh, two of the very experienced, very ex top class players. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you can certainly see it, like you, like you say. I mean, um, you know, Kucher did it. This is a, a complete mix of of players that win this. Um, I'd probably favour a more progressive player. Um, but he's not going to get done for experience, is he? Um, again, um, would he want an outing? History suggests that... You, I mean, look, history's there to be to be made bunkum, isn't it? Um, but it does suggest that you do want the outing and, and therefore, unfortunately, with... with like, I, I keep... I, I'm sorry to beat around, you know, the, the same... The same, whatever, broom, brush, Drum. whatever. <laughs> Drum. Yeah, you can beat whatever you like, mate, can't you? Don't Carpet, say that. This run, is a family whatever. show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, there are 15 players from last week that have put up forming top-class events um, uh, that are coming here this week. And unfortunately, they have to take precedence over over the likes of Johnson, who you have to guess how he's going. And, and you know, I'd rather not do that. Uh, fine, if, he, if he's 80 to 1, that's fine. We can do that. At mm. 40s, I, I've got a couple of players just behind him on the betting. Um that have had a run and, and I think I'd rather have uh, at this particular, this particular moment when it comes down to um, the nitty gritty on a Sunday, I'd want somebody to have had a run to have had uh, four competitive putting rounds when you, when you come to a Sunday round here. So yeah, I'm sure Zach will win again, uh, but it's, it's not for me this week at that price. Go and get, get into your first pick for the week, Jason. I know it's been on. You don't on... know this one. Oh, I don't know this one. You don't know this one. There is okay. one, the other one I've just seen Martin's put up as well. So we can agree, and I'm not making all our guests completely annoyed as they walk off and go, oh, we're not going on that end, end of agreement. Um, so the first one I've put up is Lanto Griffin. Um, I did look at him. I did look. Yeah, uh, Griffin's a, a really nice, improving player. Um, and as we know from our interview with Will Wilcox, he used to be caddy for Will Wilcox. Um, but you didn't know that, Martin, did you? I didn't right. know that. Thank you. No, there we are. <laughs> there we are. Um, I mean, Griffin played really well last week, improved throughout the week, uh, finished 13th, uh, Tournament of Champions, uh, bogey 367 on, on yesterday, which is going to just lift his confidence massively. Um, obviously, you know, he's got the win in Houston, which is fine. If, if you know, if you want to talk the wind aspect, I mean, that's, that's probably there. Um, finished seventh here last year, uh, fourth round 64. Which uh, again, you know, just is just you know playing the lights out around here. That followed a 58th uh, when he was pretty experienced in 2018. Um, he's 11th at the Zozos. Uh, quite interesting. If you look at the form at the Zozo, which I did have up. Oh yeah, there we are. Um, if you look at the Zozo, that that's really interesting. You have got Thomas in second, Smiths in fourth, Henley's uh, joint fourth, Palmer's in uh, fourth, Connors is eighth. Um, he's just behind them, and you've got Kisner, Reed. Um, all just behind him as well. And that, for, for whatever reason, ties in absolutely fantastically with the history of this event. Um, so he's an improver. Um, I really like the way he's putting. He's finding six-plus strokes. You know, uh, his last four tournaments, he's found over six strokes uh, putting. Um, none of his figures stand out as particularly poor. Um, you know, and the other... Oh, there are two more things. He, if you like Abraham Hamster, Abraham Answer, he uh, Griffin Hans beat. Has, Hans has got a bigger he, chance this week. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he beat. He beat uh, Griffin beat him in a playoff in the 2017 Nashville Open, but also Griffin on the Latino tour 
won the Roberto de Vigenzo Classic, also won by Fabian Gomez. There you go. So there we are. Yeah. There's yeah, always okay. something that I have to find that nobody else is going to bother with, and there we are. That's so. That's yeah. my first pick of the week. I mean, from from my point of view, he, he was certainly someone I looked at very closely. Obviously, he fits the bill as, as as someone who sort of wasn't seriously in contention last week, but sort of worked his way up the leaderboard. I I think I heard an interview that um, he, he'd had some kind of you know sort of stomach bug um or something at the beginning of beginning of the week or something something that sort of you know it'd be quite quite 100 percent dodgy uh, sushi yeah something like that so uh been out with robert allenby or something <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah so uh no so he wasn't 100 percent and uh, he had a bad bad thursday and i actually had him in my dk team last week and um uh he, he sort of did quite nicely for me there so uh yeah i can't can't pick any holes in that one uh, jason I think the thing that I always think, all I think about when I think of Lanto Griffin is, is the strange friendship that he built up with VJ Singh, where they both just yeah. smash it in the gym and throw medicine balls at the wall 100 modern hours for three hours at a time. Uh, and obviously, I think the work ethic is rubbing off on him. And the thing I noticed is he was 17th last week in, in strokes gain approach, which is you know respectable enough. And I, and I find it quite interesting that actually, apart from his win in Houston, where obviously wind can come into effect and Texas, like you say, Marston is a link there as well. Um, you know, his, his second best finish on the PJ Tour was here when he was tied seventh mm. and that the CJ Cup was tied seventh as well. So he's, he, I think he's the type of player that will go back to the well on certain golf courses. And, and I think the only thing that put me off slightly was, was the price. But again, I don't know what you make him. So yeah, I think, I think he's already won. It's not like it's someone that we're trying to, trying to pick up on his first win. He's already proven it. Um, and and I think he's a reasonable price. On on to your next one, Jason, because this one is the one that I know, and and I feel like you need to make a case for him. Well, I mean, look, yeah, yeah thank God, Martin. As I say, Martin's put him up as well. So Brendan Todd, um, very much. I think as we were going into the weekend, I think it's it's a natural thing for golf punters to watch last week's event and start looking. I'm sure Martin did the same. Start looking at yeah. those beyond the tenth place and see who's coming forward. So you see Maxi Armour in last and you put Big Red Lion through the rest of the year. Um, and Brendan Todd, to me, when they did show his shots on TV, he was looking really happy. I mean, I know it sounds bizarre, but he looked perfectly at home with his game. Um, you know, he was improving, you know, all the time last week for his first outing. I know you make the case, Martin, again. I think he was fifth around the green, fifth in strokes game putting, tied fourth in driving accuracy, third in scrambling. Seventh in putts per greens in regulation. I mean, these are stats that you need to take to somewhere like this. Um, if you look at his overall form, so in case somebody wants to just pick at the fact that he's opened up with a with a decent performance, he's 20th in strokes game pattern for the whole of 2020. Um, I think he's third of scrambling in 2020, uh, top 20 in the par fours, and he's sixth in total birdies. So for me, you've got you've got that as a as a stats basis, but then you've got his win at Bermuda, his win at Mike which of course came back-to-back back for him. Um, I, I doubt he'll ever do it again. Um, I think it was 151 when he or something stupid, wasn't he, when he won the first of those. Um, he's got the tied eighth at Mike Cobra again, fourth at the Heritage, fourth at the Greenbrier. Um, he's got an eighth at the Tournament Champions back in 2015. Um, and he's got form in Texas. And, and I just think, of all the players that, that played last week, there were three that had stars against them. One was Simpson, one was Griffin, and and this Todd and, and I think I think he's a fantastic bet first eight. I, I don't see him out of the frame. I think his game is absolutely bang on for here. Yeah, I've got to um, 
uh, I, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't quite go as far as I, I don't see him out the first eight because uh, you never know what's going to happen in this game. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with um, I agree with everything you said there. They chose him summed it up very nicely, really. And um, he, he was the first name and the most obvious name on the, on the sheet for me this week. And, and to be honest, the only thing that was sort of having me slightly hesitate on clicking the button is, is sort of the thought of can I really see. Brendan Todd winning three PGA Tour events in 18 months. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he's just this kind of course. He, 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 if he gets on song, he's just like a metronome, as, as he was obviously in back-to-back wins. And, um, you, you know, he finds fairways for fun and um, uh, holds putts for fun. So, um, yeah, and, and um, he, he did enough last, last week to obviously... In, 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 in the sort of areas that he needed to for, for, for me to think I just couldn't beat him out. The only thing for me that, I mean, it, it looks completely tailor-made for him. It looks the perfect course for him. He's in excellent form. It's one of my favourite stories uh, in golf over you know, recent years, the fact that he's come back from the absolute depths that he did. So some brilliant things. The fact that he's so tailor-made to him and he hasn't played better here is what concerns me. Like, I know they've been respectable finishes, but I don't think he's ever broken a shot lower than 66 here. Um, and and there's just too many average finishes of, like, those are expected finishes of him when he was 2012-2014 he was playing well. Um, I know, obviously, it's hard to put stock in the 44th miscut and the three blanks because, obviously, he was he was completely gone in the game. But just in the earlier part of his career and even last season when he was in form, I just, I just thought he could have played a little bit better and... And maybe suggests to me that there is something about the course that he doesn't quite like, but that that's just me reading between the lines. The thirteenth, and sorry, just come back in. The thirteenth, though, to be fair, which I think was in two thousand and twelve or something, yeah. uh, and I think I mentioned this in, in my preview. Uh, a friend of mine, I, mean, I think he was on the tour in two thousand and nine, then off it. So he was basically just back on the tour in two thousand and twelve when he finished thirteenth, uh, and that was his second best finish of the year and his, his, his three best finishes in that year were 13th here 9th at Pebble and 14th in Puerto Rico so I, I think that sort of tells you what, what you need to know really I know Pebble's obviously not on the Bermuda Greens but that tells you what, what you need to know really about this kind of course that sets up well for him and um, yeah I'm, I'm, he's, he, he, I'm happy with the 45 to 1 this week yeah absolutely I can completely see the case for him that was just my one concern for him there um I'm going to go in for a pick now because I haven't actually picked one out yet. Um, Mark Leishman was for me. Um, there was some 66 to 1 about him for eight places. That's come in now to, to 55 and 60s. Um, he was showing signs of sort of coming back. We, we were kind of concerned about how wrong it had gone for him. I mean, even when he won Tory Pines last year, he was spraying it all over the place before he actually got the job done. Um, but that, that 13th place finish at the Masters kind of... And I guess that's a courses for courses type thing. It wasn't the most difficult Augustus ever played. Maybe that helped. But I thought he was, you know, I thought he was pretty impressive last week. I think he was 16 under par, um, which you know normally would have you a lot further up the up the field than it did uh, this week, or 14 under par, sorry, he was. But um, it was eighth in strokes gained approach, which was really promising for me because I think that's something that that has really been holding him back. And and he really likes his course here. He's, he's consistently makes the cut here i know that's not enough in itself but he's got a, a ninth a fifth and a third uh the third coming in 2019 so for me i just think if you consider mark leishman as a as a you know regular winner which he has turned into i suppose in recent years um than the previous knocking him was that he didn't win enough 
Um, I just thought that it was quite a big price. You know, he's won the Farmers, uh, you know, in 2020, two wins in 2017, another one in 2018. Um, he, he's done it on windy courses, so that's not going to be a problem. And he clearly does like it here. I thought that that price was too big, Jason. Don't you have any opinions on that? Yeah, I mean, it depends what Leishman you think is going to turn up, isn't it? Is he yeah. back or, or that? That I mean, that's the problem. But yeah, I mean, sixty-one for a man of his class is uh, is very fair. But that, that's the problem, I think. But he's had the outing, hasn't he? And he's played perfectly reasonably well last week. Um, certainly not as well as he can play. Um, and there's there is there not the issue? Um, you take the Masters effort away. Um, sort of struggling a bit um but yeah look he's he's you haven't got to go far you haven't got to go back that far to find a top class player and and look i I can see why you'd speculate on him winning you know you'd certainly rather him than certainly on a win aspect than somebody like charles howell or or griot um (laughs) you know on the win aspect definitely but i think equally you're you're looking at in a comparison you're looking at top 15 top 20 almost guarantees for for you know chucky three sticks whereas leishman could be fifth he could be 50th you know that's my problem at the moment i just don't know what leishman's going to turn up he's very very volatile isn't he and and that is that is the concern like you say he could just as easily miss the cut as he could win it that that's the concern my thing is is that like and, and not to knock what you said about him but you know you you look at martin laird's last week as performance as a positive at 16 under par you know Leishman's two shots behind that over four days um when he hasn't been at his best so he, I think he's slowly circling back into the form that he should be and to get himself on a on a course that he absolutely loves um at a time of year that he enjoys out of the pressure and the spotlight of major championships you know this is someone I you know watched basically lose an open championship because he fell in a divot on a playoff hole um I just, I just thought he was a really big price and a surprise. If he'd have finished 38th or 41st or whatever last week, 30th, something like that, and, and you know, was languishing in the single digits under par when, you know, four under par each day looked, looked you know, par, I'd be I'd be a lot more concerned. But someone for me, like, I look at Cameron Smith, I talked up last week, I fancied his chances, he's tied with him, he's one behind Adam Scott, who no one would be put off by, one behind Patrick Reed, two behind Webb Simpson. Webb Simpson's a favourite this week. I know... Webb Simpson's a different prospect altogether um, because he's just generally consistent, plays well here. But I just, I just thought I just saw it as a big price about someone that it's not as if he's been in the doldrums for three years. He's been in the doldrums for a, one season, and and it was a you know an interrupted season at that as well. Martin, I was going to just jump in there. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to slightly play devil's advocate and. Um... I'm going to do this, bearing in mind the fact I actually put him up last week, so I'm certainly not, <laughs> uh, not anti him. But um, yeah, I put him up last week just because I thought, well, he, he had obviously had the former Capaloor, and, and I thought New Year, new, new slate, let's you know, eighty to one, let, let's roll the dice because uh, he could just come out, you know, putting him all of last year behind him and um, uh, come out flying and, and certainly bag a place if, if nothing else and uh, you know he, like you say he played solidly but not, not spectacularly but I suppose where I'm going to play devil's advocate is I suppose the other way I'm looking at it here is yes he's, he's got three top tens but he's and I'm just checking the records he's he's teed it up here ten times um, he's got three top tens uh, he's never missed a cut yet but um, you know he, he's not managed to win here in, in those, those those ten visits and um, I, I suppose and if that sounds a little bit harsh let's, let's look at the fact that 
where is he and certainly for the last five years or so um four or five years where is he in the world rankings uh you, you know he's, he's he's not quite obviously he's not the elite obviously he's not dustin johnson justin thomas but he's that that next layer behind of sort of major winner potentially to happen or or, or what have you that's certainly where he was thought of a, of a couple of years ago to, um, and and you know you'd expect him to be in, in an event like this to be sort of picking something off i mean if you look at webb simpson for example um he, he's not won here before, um, but his last five visits here are all top 15 finishes. So, you, you, you know, yes, Leishman's been strong here, but Leishman at his, his best, or a lot better than he is now anyway, hasn't managed to get the job done here, um, and he didn't quite do enough for me last week. So, um, yeah, yeah, him and Neiman in the playoffs probably this week is what we'll get. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Jason, you were just mocking Charles Halderford uh, for his win equity. Um, the only thing I was going to say, and it's something I've written down here. So, I mean, you don't, no one needs me to tell them that Charles Halderford likes playing in Hawaii. I don't know if it's the cone of coffee. I don't know if he just likes putting his feet up for a week. I don't know what it is. I think he just loves money and this is somewhere that he can make it. Um, but he's got a second and a third. He's got three top eight since then in 2014, 17, 19, 12 last year. Um He's just solid as a rock here. And and what I find interesting is every time I kind of see Charles Hadderford in this event, I always think that he's too short because of the lack of win equity. He's actually won more recently than when he norm- you know, you normally look at him. He's won the 2018 RSM Classic, which according to the correlative course, and he's now out to 50 to 1. And I know I know 50 to 1 doesn't jump off the page for Charles Hadderford, but you know what? he's normally 33 to 1, 40 to 1. He's never that big for this kind of event because he literally can sleepwalk his way to a top 25 um you know he was tied 21st at the Mayakoba just before Christmas okay again not you know not a massive result but he shot 67 65 over the weekend after shooting a 72 in the opening round 30th at the RSM suggests to me that he's uh finding some form at the right time I don't again he's hard to to see winning a bit like Emiliano Grillo right next to him in the betting but I just thought 50 to 1, considering he's had that recent win. I, I said it about Kevin Nahr, where I didn't think the market really responded to the fact that he's actually improved his, his potential winning ability in recent years. I just thought that was slightly bigger than I expected. Okay. That's that's all I've got to say on that. But it, it was just, I just thought that was, I just thought that was bigger than what I expected. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, fair play. He loves it here. Um, and I suppose if you work out his, his overall record and where he is and you divide it all up and you play a perfect percentage, 50s might be. But you're realistic looking at, at 12 and a half for a place, which is what, six and a quarter for your money. Um, and he's not improving, is he? He, he? I mean, I've got nothing against him at all, but this is what he is. This is what he will do every year. It's what he'll do every year until he goes on the on the, on the the um, Champions Tour. Um, eight times a year. Probably. Yeah, probably. Win, and he probably, yeah, exactly. He'll probably win eight times a year there because he's how, so. How old is he now, Jim? Sorry, it's about how old is he now? But he's got to be mid forties, is he? I think he's he's. Uh, he's not short, is he? Is he he can't old? Be that old? He can't be that old. Uh, Forty-one, he is. There you go. Forty-one, yeah. right? Okay, so he's, he's so. certainly statistically past his peak. And he could be could be next BJ Singh or Kenny Perry. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's <laughs> certainly people that have uh, Pete Matt Kuchar certainly likes the forties. So you know. It's I don't know I I don't like Jason's made a good point that he hasn't got better. It's not like he's made strides. I just think that he's where he's picked up an RSM win two years ago, and and suddenly 
he, he can't win here where he, he probably yeah. should have won five times. That was that was a thing that you know kind of caught my eye. Um, there's an interesting range here now between you've got Eric Van Rooyen gets talked about every week. Kevin Nile just mentioned. <laughs> Um, right down to uh, the, we're going into triple digits now. One name that caught my eye was Taylor Gooch. Patton Gazire is another one. Uh, and Brand Snedek has come way in from triple digits, so I'm guessing someone must have put him up. Um, he's got to have a big season, Brand Snedek. It looks like the wheels have come off of his game, and this should be somewhere that he performs. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on this week. I've got another one at 100 to 1 if, anyone's, uh, if, if someone hasn't got one in between. I think just uh, Brent Snedeker, I think Ben's put him up. Ben, ben Cole, oh, there you go. Case for him, so. Good old Ben. Jason, anyone in between the uh, the sort of um, 60 and I mean, 100 he's, he's, he's my nemesis, but um, and I'm not going to back him, but, you know, Russell, Russell Knox, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, 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 you know, he should, he should be contending um, in somewhere like this. And I just think 90, that's, it is very tempting, unfortunately. I, I've been burnt by Russell Knox far far too many times um and i you know i really want to mention um, and i don't know what knox is going to turn up but uh, and i'm not going to use the opportunity knox line anyway he's there isn't he i mean he plays in the right places you know bermuda houston um look, you can you can look yourself you know we use tourtips.com so i've got it in tom right uh, <laughs> we use tourtips.com for all our stuff it's all there in front of you um Look, I'm not going to back him, but I, I just thought he was interesting at 90s, given his game. Uh, and if he was somehow to find find his pain, um, I, I suspect he'd go very well at somewhere like this. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can. I mocked you, didn't I, one week when you put Russell Knox? I think we were going to do a match bet and never did. And I don't know where I think he missed a couple, about 100. Uh, and then he started playing really well. Um, and, I, and I sort of every week I was sitting there thinking he's. Jason's going to put him up. He's going to put him up, and you've and you've resisted the urge up until now. Are you going to go in on him, or are you still going to resist the urge? I, I you know, I, again, you're. It's a bit like your leashman, um, yeah. in in a sort of way. Okay, they're they you know, when I say they're a bit like in that you don't know what's going to turn up. Yeah. But when you look back at their form, you know, heritage form, Honda form, um, Oba form. You know, this is somewhere he should be contending. Um, again, he hasn't had the outing. He finishes top 20 at Bermuda and Houston when he wasn't particularly great last year um, and he finishes just outside the top 20 at Mayakoba and it's only the final round that has let him down he's, do you know if they put him up at 100 do you know what I'll have a look on Betfair and if he's well into three figures I'll, I'll, I'll have a tiny bit on because it's just somewhere that if he found something I think that he will He will, this is the type of course that he'll do well at he's obviously the type that you would be Pretty disappointed, like letting him go and then him finishing even in yeah, the places. Yeah, yeah, the Oxford thing, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, any any others in this range for you, Martin? Um, the guy I often keep an eye on. I mean, I've not, you know, put him up this week, but the guy I often keep an eye on on this type of course is, is Matthew Naismith. Um, obviously, he's yet to win, but uh, uh, he, he's sort of connection to Hilton Head is well documented, and um, uh, he always this is his, his type of track. He always pops up on a the coastal courses but uh uh I, I think the way i was looking at this week is that it, obviously i was putting five players forward and um i wanted certainly to have three if not four and ended up with three who, who teed it up last week because i do think you know that's where we need to be focusing so i only had room for, for two more at bigger prices and um there was a couple more who 
I guess we'll come on to who I, I liked a bit more, but uh, Nason is someone I'll keep an eye on, yeah. Well, my next bet is 100 to 1 with eight places. Um, if I told you that he's finished second at another Seth Rayner course, he's finished third here, should have won, finished third at the Mayakoba, uh, 12th again here at the Sony Open, and ninth as well at the RSM Classic. Would anyone have any guesses to who that is? Tom Hoagie. Tom Hoagie. Yeah. So I, I think it's hard to tell with him whether he's massively improving and, and has just not quite got over a line yet or whether this is just the type of person he is that he contends where the golf courses suit him and, and he'll continue doing that until he falls over the line. But I think he's I think he's more than capable of winning. Um, I think he played incredibly well at the Greenbrier when he finished second. It was just that Joaquin Neiman was on a different course to everybody else because he shot two 65s that week, uh, including on a Sunday. He always he's played with Tiger a couple of times now and, and equips, equips himself very well in that situation. So I don't think pressure particularly gets to him i think he's the type of person that just needs to get on a run i mean he had that you know incredible run just before i spoke to him on the podcast last year where he sort of went 12 6 fifth and it looked like he was uh you know in, in contention for his first victory and he was actually drafted in by uh by jim furyk and and uh, steve stricker for Ryder cup talk so i don't think he's quite that level of player but i think at 101 for someone that's finished third in his last outing at Myco, which is obviously a, a correlating course, clearly likes it at this track as well. I just thought that was a big price. Jason, I don't know if you've got any comments on that. Uh, yeah, I did look at him. I did look at him, to be honest with you. And yeah, yeah I think you've made your point. Um, and and it's, a, it's a good enough point, to be honest with you. I looked at Hoagie and Hoag, because, um, <laughs> you know, as uh, Harry Hill says, you've got to have a system. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, look yeah, it's top 10, whatever. I, I couldn't see him contending in... Just because of uh, you know the class that there is at the top, I, I just don't see him as being as being good enough. But um, I just thought Triple H with eight places as opposed. Yeah, you know, absolutely. If, you, if it was the five or six, he'd be a bit put off because, like you say, I think he's he's someone that I think you can rely on for a top ten and get himself into a mix of a good final round. Um, but he he really should have won it when he finished third mm. here. He had a you know really great opportunity, and he's he, no one's listened before. He has he came on the podcast. Uh, and he talked us through that final round and what happened and, and, and why it went wrong, uh, how he picked one club the, the day before and it was you know it was wrong that day so he went the other way and, and it went wrong again, you know it, that was that's the fine margins between him winning. It's not a case of he's bottled it. He's just he's a bad club selection. I think it was that he said and you know I I, I think he's capable of winning and and at the hundred to one range you need to find someone that has got that and and I think that is. If it's going to be somewhere, it's going to be here. I think he's shown two chances now where he's had a real good go at it. And, yeah, I just think that he's a better player than he probably gets credit for because there's just a wealth of, you know, a, a big you know group of talent there that he can't possibly be considered in the same breath as some of the others. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he shot an opening 71 here. Uh, at the beginning of 2020, and then went 68, 67, 68 uh, to finish five short of, of Cameron Smith. And what I liked about it as well was that he he did it in the low scoring fashion in 2019, and then came back in in the harder test. So whatever happens this week in terms of weather uh, and conditions, I think he'll be equally adapt to them. What, what, sorry, Martin. What's quite interesting is he, he actually. I mean, whatever stats you use and whatever ranking you put together, he actually ranks in the top 20. He ranks 19 of the field on the, on the tour tips rankings. And that is, that is amongst the likes of Kisner, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know, his overall form clearly, clearly points to, and that's just stats based. 
Um, so his overall cl- clearly points to him having a better week than that 100 to 1. Um, and, and of course, eight places are never taken up. Whatever tournament, they're never taken up with the top eight. So there's always a couple that get thrown in. So why not? He, he likes the course. So yeah, absolutely. I just Sorry, see him Mike. as, I just see him is like, when you look at, I know Brian Harmon is a winner and he's contending at US Open. He's 50 to 1. You see Grillo, who equally struggles to get victories. I know he's obviously got a ball striking prowess, course suit, 50 to 1. Uh, you know, Siwoo Kim, you don't know if he's going to miss the cut or win. Keegan Bradley hasn't done anything for you. Know, all these players are all shorter than him. Ches Reevy, you know, I know these guys have, have won on tour and some Hoagie hasn't, but I don't think there's the massive divide in quality. I know Keegan Bradley had a good spell where he won the major championship, but, you know, I just don't think there's a massive, massive gap, and, and the 100 to 1 suggests there is. Yeah, uh, there's definitely worse 100 to 1 shots, Tom, undoubtedly, and obviously the fact that I knew exactly who you were talking about when you uh, <laughs> gave him the rundown tells you I, um, I gave him a, a pretty good look. Uh, I, I mean, prior to the Mayakoba third place, he'd be sort of pretty off the boil and, and I, I get your point about obviously it's uh, horses for courses and, and this does seem to be his, his type of track but um, um, you, you mentioned Siwoo Kim there and actually someone I forgot to mention who got very close eye on this year and, and he was on on my shortlist this week so I, I think I'd rather be back in Siwoo than, than, than Hoagie albeit Siwoo's a fraction shorter but um, yeah there was there was just a couple more I like better basically but certainly you know it's, it's the same as worth 100 worth 100 to one shots undoubtedly absolutely uh, Martin I know you've got a one just over the 100 to one who I thought was actually quite an astute uh, selection and, and saw an highlights and before we get to him Jason have you got anyone between sort of 100 to 125 to one range no I haven't no, no. Martin over to you then uh, I assume you're talking about Big Brandon. Brandon I am Grace. indeed. Yes, yeah. Brandon Grace. And, uh, I'm a fan of Brandon Grace, and um, obviously he's, you know, even when he's playing badly, he knows how to win a golf tournament, as he, as he showed when he popped up in South Africa, you know, literally to the week last year, which is another thing I quite like from a synergy point of view. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, he's, he's a serial winner, and. and He's, I think he's 32 now, is he? So um, uh, I think we've not seen the best of him yet. I think he'll get his major championship. Uh, I've put him up as one of my players to follow this year. And, and um, obviously he starts this year on the outside looking in at everything. You know, he's, he's unbelievably outside the top 100 in the world now. And it's hard to sort of, apart from he's just been playing bad golf, obviously. It's hard to pinpoint exactly why it went wrong. I mean, he... he um, uh, he had a child um, uh, a couple of years ago, and it seemed to sort of, you know, golf-wise go slightly awry after that. And I guess it was just a case of priorities, quite understandably, and, and took his off the ball in the golf game. That, I mean, that's speculation. But, um, but yeah, so back in the last year, he, he started obviously to show a bit of something. And I actually put him up in the Mayakoba, and it's, it's the same old sort of, you, you know, he's won the heritage. He's, he, he's obviously shown plenty of form in the in, in, in the wind on the European tour. Obviously, that, that sort of um, infamous round at Burkdale where he shot 62 in the open. So he's, um, uh, you, you know, he's perfect for this type of track. He, he played it once, finished 13th. And um, obviously, his last outing um, was the top 10 in Dubai. So um, I think the fact that he didn't go to South Africa to defend back in the last year and, and stayed sort of um, by a Cobra, RSM, etc. Uh, and that he's here this year after several years absence shows what he's looking to do from the point of view of the PGA Tour because basically without the COVID 
sort of um, rules, if you like. He, he would be struggling for a card now, so um, uh, he, he needs to pull it together this year. Uh, and um, I can see him coming out all, all guns blazing. And obviously, he is someone who can win a golf tournament. I mean, um, you know, if, if he was in the hunt on Sunday, he, he's not your typical 100 to 1 shot, is he? he? Sort of, you know, that goes out the window and uh, he's a proven winner. Yeah, and, and that was the thing for me was that he's shown enough science to suggest that the form is rounding into into place because uh, he shot the final round 64 at the RSM Classic when he finished tied 30th. Uh, he was tied 40th at the Mayakoba. There was nothing special there. But then he finished tied 8th in, in Dubai to finish the year. And I thought that was a real eye-catching performance from him because uh, it's been a while since he sort of had a chance to win. And again, he, he wasn't really right in contention there. But it was a, a top 10 in you know in an illustrious field and you know struggles aside he started the year with a top 10 at the phoenix where he probably should have done a little bit better ended it with a top 10 in dubai just to remind everyone who he is uh he played well here on his debut and like you say he, he is more than capable of winning so i think if he can get if he can get into into contention or even in the top 10 on the final day whereas there's going to be some others that are trying to win for the first time that will be trying to you know just work their way up the rankings etc first time happening he's been there done it uh got the t-shirt and everything so i do yeah i thought i thought he was a, a big enough price really and he's been someone i've been a bit put off by and i think i thought that people were being too loyal to him just because of who he is and the profile that he had and i thought that maybe um he was kind of bigged up because of his european tour record versus how he's performed the pga but I think he's a big enough price to kind of over, counter out those points. Anything to say on that, Jason? No, no, I'd love to see him get back to, to where he was. He was absolutely top grade, wasn't he? Um, again, Martin's covered it, so um, there's no rule. It would have been lovely to see him in South Africa. I know he turned up at the DP Worlds uh, and played really well. It would have been really nice to see um, some of that class face the uh, sort of the youngsters, the Bezies and the, um, the James Shapers and stuff like that in, in those tournaments of South Africa, but you know, they didn't. So there we are. Um, yeah, be great to see him back at the top. Um, yeah, another one. Who knows? I, I, I've got no idea. But there were signs, obviously, um, in Dubai that, that there was something still there. So yeah, let's let's see how he performs here. Yeah. I've got a, a, another couple to mention in this range. But Jason, have you got any before we let uh, Martin go to his final section? Um, no, I don't think I have to be honest. I mean, obviously, you know. Uh, what range are we, are we going to? Well, just any, basically onwards Anybody, now. From, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. look, I mean, I keep going on about how good a putter Maniarty is. Uh, he's nowhere near the grain. He's, he's proving it now. Yeah, that's very short, hot spell. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it would surprise him him doing well. Um, you know, Norlander, I was a fan of last year. I mean, there's... there's that there's was a, who I thought you were going to put up because I know Norlander. you're a big fan yeah. of Norlander, yeah. I'm a fan of Norlander, yeah. I mean, yeah, whatever. Um, I, I'm <laughs> if Carl Stanley could putt, you know, but that's that's been the same for five years, isn't it? You know, if Carl Stanley could putt, this is exactly his tournament. Um, if JT Poston actually, I, I don't know what's happened to him. He absolutely went at the game at the end of last year. Um, again, I know he hasn't got very good form around here, but I see this as being his type of course. Um, but apart from those down there, I know I know that uh, Martin's got one that he can make a proper case for. So, you know, the floor's all his. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, CT Pan is my last pick this week, and uh, I was more than happy to get the um, 150s for eight places that's um, available. Uh, 
he's, I mean, we get him, someone I was keeping an eye on back in the last year. I mean, obviously, after he, he won his um, heritage, he, he lost it completely, really, sort of through the bulk of the 1920 season. And um, yeah, he, he um, I think he uh, had, had one strongish performance. Uh, um, was it at the Mayakoba, I think, earlier in the year? I'll just check that. But uh, or in the season, but after that, he, he managed nothing better than. 44th for the rest of the year basically so he completely lost the plot but uh, back end of the season he starts to put a few cuts together and obviously um, this new season he's um, he, he's come out like a new man and of course he, he put the 7th place on the board at uh, Augusta which um, even though he was starting to play better it came completely out of the blue no one, no one could have predicted he'd do that on his day but um, of course it really shouldn't be his sort of course so uh, and um, as I mentioned in my preview before we went to Augusta, I had him very much at the top of the shortlist for the RSM the week after, because I thought, well, this is certainly his type of track. But I um, then actually left him out at the RSM, because, of course, A, the Augusta performance sort of um, hammered his price, and B, I just thought, you know, that was such a big week from Augusta, we'd have taken it out of him. And um, that was, I think, uh, well, that was the right thing to do, because he missed the cut. But basically, if you put that week to one side, he's been incredibly solid this um, season so far uh, and he should come here you, you know ready to go fresh and, and obviously again with his form across all the relevant courses and the winner Hilton Head although he's not done much here um, you, you know he's a class act he's a former world amateur number one and um, I thought the 150s was uh, more than fair yeah, absolutely. That, that's the thing now. You, like we say every week, Jason, we're in the range now where if there's any sort of positives, you can at least make a case for them and, and not a lot has to go right. Is it you can go out onto the machine and, and yeah. back them at a big price and, and and try and get your money back in, in running. So that's where I think these sort of range of players now. I'm going to have to apologise and take everybody back to a range we've already overlooked and go back to 80-1 to 1 with uh, Pat and Gazire, um, who I've just completely overlooked and, and not ignored my own notes. Um, but he, he finished the year strongly. He was 11th in Houston, 10th for the RSM, 32nd at the Mayakoba, where he actually should have played an awful lot better um, and finished with, I think it was a 64 that week. Uh, he's won in Mayakoba. He's won here two years ago. Um, I just thought that 80-1 was a pretty generous price about him for eight places. I think he's showing that he's, that he's back to what he is, which is playing well on these golf courses. Um Finished 13th uh, the year after winning here. Uh, two other missed cuts, but I just think that's him all over. It's again, I think he is like the others I've kind of mentioned. He's a bit volatile. It's hard to kind of predict, but if he's going to play well, it'll be on a track like this. So that was passing Kazire is my is my other selection there. One player I, I kind of wanted to look more into, and and I think it's sort of one to keep an eye on as opposed to to maybe making big strides this week. But I think Doug Gim's in for uh, a decent season. He's 170 to, 75 to 1 of 8 places. Uh, you just look at where he's played well since he's come on. He's uh, 14th for the Bermuda, 18th for the RSM. He was 46th for the Mayakoba, but uh, I think he putted particularly badly that week. And I think this would be the sort of play 20th in Puerto Rico. It's the sort of course where I think he could play well. There's a, a lot of chatter around him being a, it's particularly a good player, and, and I thought it was a good enough price to, to consider. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure he's a, a definitive selection, but I think someone's keeping an eye. And I also thought that Robert Streb was a big price at 250 to one. I know there's a bank of course form against him, which suggests that maybe he struggles here. Um, but he's played really well at the Greenbrier in, in the past. He's two seconds there and an 11th 
Um, he started really well last week, didn't he? And and he won the RSM Classic just before Christmas. So everything suggests that he can play well here. Mm. Um, you know, he hasn't played well here, which is the obvious off-putting thing. He's missed his last three cuts, but he did have a 17th place finish in 2015. And, and like others, he hasn't been at his best for recent years. So I can kind of overlook some of the poor form. The fact that he had that run out last week, performed well at the start, and he's 251 of eight places. I thought that was a bit of a big price. Yeah, I, I can see, see something in that. Um, I mean, coming, coming back to your patent desire, I was uh, uh, I, I was part of the world and his wife who was on him at the RFM. <laughs> he, um, uh, he was 150s, and it was one of those prices just everyone looked at at the beginning of the week and thought, what, what's he doing at that price? And, you know, Sea Island resident and uh, and started to show some um, signs of good form. And um, he, he just, he, he was off the charts with the, Basically, if he found a fairway, he made birdie. But the problem was, every other hole he didn't find the fairway. <laughs> was gone nowhere. So, uh, uh, but he's, he's putting was on fire. So, um, yeah, I can see why why you, you like him this this week. Obviously, with his history here, um, I, I guess the thing that put me off of Robert Streb, I mean, I can see the price. He's he's, he's very eye catching, but he sort of slid. You know, he, he sort of got worse as the week went on. Really, at, um, if I'm right in saying, I'm just going to. Where he finished at the weekend, did he? He was tied 38th in the end, so he did yeah. struggle. Yeah, that's right. You have 70, so 67, 72, 72, 76. So, yeah, that was a sort of, um, yeah, he, he sort of, um, the history shows that the guy who, if they did play last week, is going to win, you know, go on a win here, that they've been sort of, I think, 21st is the worst. So, uh, I, I sort of put a line through the guys who were down in the sort of you know, the low 30s and the, and the 40s, although I did, did look at Hideki 68 on Sunday. <laughs> that, yeah, it's, that's... it's just... Sorry, mate. No, just, just for me, again, I, it's hard to see him winning just based on really most of it. There's a course form that suggests that there's enough in it to say that he's he doesn't actually like it, despite the fact he likes all the others. Uh, I just, to me, 251 for someone that's such a recent winner um, and and like Martin said there, he did completely slide off the scale, which suggests that his opening round was an outlier rather than a sign of anything to come. Um, but I think that's him all over. He kind of just pops up every now and then. He, if he's uh, breaking his putter, he's chipping off of a sandwich during uh, putting with a sandwich. I think he did one round. So he's he's a bit of an enigma. And but he 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 has won and he's won you know multiple times. And I just I just thought it was a bit of a big price. But Jason, what was it you want to say? There? No, I was just going to say in, in a similar way to Martin about about how they drifted off over the weekend. It's why I'm surprised you didn't put uh, Carlos Ortiz up. I thought you would you would he's your player. Um, mm. And if you take if you okay if you ignore the weekend rounds. Um, Hawaii over the weekend, and um, you got that win in Houston, obviously over DJ. You got to follow it up with um, uh, an eighth at Mayakoba, where 69 is the worst round, um, and then you have the warm up last week, 69, 67 finish on a course that isn't going to suit him at all. Um, he's obviously got you know wind form. We know he's you know Mexico, um, uh, you know places like that, um, Mayakoba, Houston, um, and I just thought. I thought 80 again he's another one that if he was to touch triple figures on the machine um I can happily ignore the weekend rounds on an unsuitable course um and take the chance at the price in a very similar way to Mike has just explained about you know about about Streb 
Yeah, I take your point on board. The only thing for me was that he just has shown nothing at this golf course at all. Uh, like, not even, I think, 29th is his best finish. Yeah. It's a highlight of not much. Yeah, like I've said, though, in the past, I don't think there's much... Again, I think he's another player that is overlooked. I think that, you know, I, I put a lot of substance in that victory against DJ. Like, he did it really in the heat of the battle, matched his final round, DJ. He was, he was charging every round. He was sort of 66-66-65. He knew he was coming, uh, and he just held steady, beat him by two shots. It's not even like he had to take him to a playoff or anything like that. Backed it up at the Mayakoba, where he obviously always plays well. It's front of you know home fans and support as well, which is always an achievement in itself. And that's again not to pick on him, but that's what I find really odd about Abraham Answer is I don't. I think there's a lot of stock going into that kind mm. of President's Cup performance where he played so well that week. I mean, ultimately he lost his singles match against you know the greatest to ever do it. So it's it's a kind of a mute point, but. I, I think there's a lot of substance into one week for Abraham Answer against a whole body of work. I know he's consistent, and I, and I know it's hard to to overlook that. But I just, how what's the talent level difference between Abraham Answer and Carlos Ortiz? Is it that big? I don't know. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I, I, yeah. Sorry, Jason. Um, yeah, fair, fair point. Um, I'm a fan of Ortiz, and like you say, he did a did a sterling job of seeing off um, DJ um, and. Um, he, he could he could go well, but uh, again he sort of he, was, he sort of went backwards at the weekend yeah. in, um, uh, in in Hawaii and in Maui I should say, and um, I, I think an, uh, another win here I, I can't see it to be honest. No, nope, completely understand that. Any other order of business for you, Jason? No, I mean we we did not. I mean no, we were talking about the favourites. We didn't mention uh, Daniel Berger. I don't no. think uh, we just glossed over him um, in twenty rounds here. He's got three worst rounds of 70 and I know he's short and we're not going to back him at 18 I did think he'd do he'd, he'd be challenging at the end of, of last weekend or yesterday or whenever it was time just moves on um, <laughs> but we will be watching very closely for um, for consistency of form as obviously we come into the places like the Travellers and Charles Schwab and, and the Webb Simpson courses as, as I like to call them um, but really no um, I, I think you know um, unless you want to talk about uh, the best thing to freeze in terms of chocolate, then no, I, I'm done, mate. Well, you've, yeah. you've you've gone beyond chocolate now, haven't you? Go on, go on Martin. I know oh, you've got a I, say, I thought we talked about biscuits. Oh, we, well, can, we can do biscuits. We're happy to well, talk about anything. Well, Jason has just been saying, just before you came on, Martin, about what do I think about frozen bourbons? And I, and I thought frozen chocolate was far enough but could at least see the logic. But I don't want something frozen that's going to go into my cup of tea. Uh, I'm with you 100% there, Tom. Um, <laughs> frozen biscuits, not films. I'm not actually a massive biscuit person, I must say. A bit, bit of cake, but um, not, not so much a massive biscuit person. Uh, it's the juxtaposition yeah. of cold and hot. That's 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 what it's all about, you know. Um, but can't you just have a cold coffee? An iced coffee? Tom, you're, you're venturing out from your usual Victoria sponge um, stance on these <laughs> things, aren't you? Blimey. Well, I like an iced coffee. Um, I've, I have I don't want to talk too much about cake and biscuits because I'm trying very hard to start a diet this year. Because so basically last year I, I, I thought I'd lose some weight for a wedding that didn't happen. So I didn't need to lose any weight anymore. And then lockdown happened and, and then I just carried on eating. So eventually I'm going to have to put a halt to that. And I can't go out and, and play golf or anything like that. So... Uh, yeah, I'm going to stop on the biscuits and cakes and things like that, but I can certainly uh, 
talk about them if you've got a topic, Jason. But other than that, I'm uh, trying to avoid them. Sorry, Joe, just coming back to the Gold's gents. Um, <laughs> no, no, not the biscuits. Did, did we mention Morikawa at all? Have we gone through the whole thing without mentioning him? I, uh, I mentioned that he was 14 to 1, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't. Obviously, obviously, I put him up on my sporting bike piece yesterday, and um, um, yeah, he, um, he he was disappointing, suffice to say. So. Uh, um, he, he's, he's not for me at 12 14 to 1 necessarily this week, but um, I thought it was worth a mention anyway. Any, anybody anybody that, that are just getting sick of seeing them reliant and reliant and reliant on caddies, and I just think at that age, it's 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 a real. I mean, look, I was on at the PGA and I have no idea how he won it. Well, I do, it's one, one hole, wasn't it? Um, I, I just really will be very worried about you know somebody that young having so much reliance on. On somebody confirming their their line on a green, I, I just I, I, I'm concerned. I mean, he, he's going to get away with it because he's such a quality player. You know, as, as we all know, his iron play is stunning. Um, but it's a real concern to me. Um, well, so, I, I think there is. I mean, the trouble is with him, and it's the same with Justin Thomas, and it's the same with all his other ball stroke because they have so many opportunities for birdie. It looks worse when they miss putts because they miss so many putts because they have so many opportunities in there and they're shorter and things like that. But you mentioned the PGA, and for me, the stars just aligned for him that week. It was a course yeah. that he'd played however many years, wasn't it, which is what you know put you on him in the first place. Um, but And so, obviously, he drove that green. Uh, he had a putting week that's not typical of him, probably because he's the only person that's played those greens since they've been renovated. Um, and to me, most people didn't perform that should have done that day. Like... Dustin Johnson should have won it. Uh, Justin Rose threw himself out on the Saturday, but was up there for a, a long period of time. Cameron Champ didn't take advantage of some, you know, some of his great golf. And I just think there was a lot that went. I don't want to take it away from him because you can't because he's a class player and he's backed it up. You know, since it's not, it's not as if you know he, it was a flash in the pan. Um, but he is a player that is going to frustrate the life out of anybody. He's going to take years. He's going to take years away from you because you're just going to watch him miss putt after putt after putt. And almost uh, again, I don't think it's fair to make a comparison between him. But he strikes me as someone a bit like a Hideki, where he's gonna he's gonna have all these great opportunities, and you're going to wonder how he's missing the putts. Um, and I think the difference between him and Justin Thomas is Justin Thomas gets on that run of you know really hot putter. And but that will last all week, whereas Morikawa might do it for one round, look really good, five, six, seven under. Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe I just, I've been pretty harsh on him, full stop, and he's the fifth best player in the world. So I can't, I can't say too much more. I mean, what was he? Twenty-two years of old, twenty-three years of age. So it, it's, it's ridiculous cruel. how good he is. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like phenomenal. I'm sitting here trying to say that Tom Hoagie's a great player, and I'm, uh, and I'm trying to then end Colin Morikawa, but. Stop some, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think I don't. I don't ever want to back him at fourteen and twelve to one because it would just kill me. It, just just trying to watch him putt over the weekend. I mean, the best thing the best thing about this event is you won't be watching it at two o'clock in the morning. So, well, I will be if it's a playoff again, and my man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but there we go. I, I, there's for me. We'll we'll summarise our picks, Martin. We'll let you we'll lead as a, as the guest. Right, thank you, gents. Um, yeah, I'm back now. Oh, yeah, Abraham Answer. Um, 
at uh, well do you want me to mention the odds as well or literally the players yeah uh, you can do the odds yeah yeah sure. well, I, I put them up like, as I say the read, we've got the read caveat because literally is I've, I've posted my preview read was pulling out and that's sort of done the top of the market a bit but I put them up at 30s he's now um, a better price 28 uh, some guy in obviously um, put him up at um, 20s and he's now 18s um, and then um, going a bit further down we've got uh, obviously Brendan Todd um, put him up at 45s which is he's still very much there uh, and then the two bigger price players who didn't play last week are Brandon Grace uh, and CT Pan at um, 110s I think I put Grace up at or hundreds coming out and um, um, CT pound at 150s absolutely Jason over to you yeah the improving Lento Griffin um, I'm with Martin on uh, Brendan Todd and depending on the price uh, half P on Russell Knox on the machine yeah and um, I started off uh, by going with Mark Leishman uh, well he was 66 one when I made all my notes he's now 55 to one of those eight places I still think there's some in that you can get 60 to one if you want to want to lose a couple of places. Um, I would probably take the places and, and just have him at 55 to one. Tom Hoagie at 100 to one. Pass and Kazai at 80 to one. Nearly missed him again. Um, they're the three for me. I think this is an outsiders event. If uh, you know, it, well, it can be an outsiders event. Uh, I think there's value to be had. I'll be interested to see how Doug Gim and Robert Streb perform at 175 and 250, but don't think. There's enough confidence in them to make them a proper selection. I think it's one of those ones where rein it in and, and see what they do, I think, because this is still early on in the year, obviously, just in the second week. And, uh, yeah, that'll be it for me. But just a final note before we go is that, as uh, Jason alluded to earlier, is that Tour Tips is now a website that we do use. And for me, really, the, the favourite thing for me is I used to rely on the PJ Tour media site for... Uh, weekly statistics uh, and the PGA Tour site. You have to keep faffing about with different tabs and things like that. Whereas this week, you can just go into Sony Open in Hawaii. Uh, you know, click on the event. You can click Strokes Gained Approach, and you just got a whole table of where they finished. So Daniel Berger finished ninth in Strokes Gained Approach last week, uh, and he hasn't, you know, hasn't played in the in the preceding eight weeks before that. Uh, you can see that Scott Brown finished eighth in Strokes Gained Approach on the eighth of November. Um, if that is any relevance to anybody at all. So you know, there is there's all that's just you know one outlet that we use I mean, strokes can approach the point this week the course forms on there if you don't have a sheet that you go to for that um you can go head to heads to see how players perform in certain things there's, there's so much on there that i i haven't got enough time to explain what is on there but you can see it for yourself until the 17th of january for free uh you know and there's there's a lot there to be had so thank you very much gents for your uh for your help best of luck martin and thank you for coming on the first time guest you're welcome can i can i give my um where people can find me and unashamed. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Of course, um, yeah. yeah. So um, obviously um, my website is um, sundogsgolfworld.com, weekly previews focusing on the PGA Tour. Um, and then you'll find me on Twitter at sundogmonkey. Uh, and I also um, put up um, the PGA Tour um, final round previews for Sporting Life on a Sunday. So you'll find me on a Sunday morning. Um, also I'll post those out on Twitter and um, through the Sporting Life website as well. So, uh, and occasional stuff for Paddy Power that may 
pages. So, but um, but yeah, Sun, Sundog's Golf World and um, um, at Sundog Monkey on Twitter. And um, okay. yeah, thank you so much, gents, for uh, inviting me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, sorry, I don't like frozen biscuits, but apart from that, um, yeah, <laughs> um, hopefully we can have a winner between us this week. That's where you can direct all your abuse to uh, to Martin there when the uh, when someone doesn't go your way. You'll find Jason in the freezer digging out biscuits and bourbons from the bottom drawer, and uh, you'll find us in all the all the relative places that we do. So uh, I, I would say that it would be nice for people to go back and, and listen to some of the interviews that we've done, Jason, isn't it? Because there's been so many of the players that we've we've got to look into, and, and I think they'll be relevant, especially this time of year when. You know, there's players popping up, and there's always a hyper focus on the top 20, 30 players in the world. And we've got, you know, guys like Kevin Strillman on there. Wills Alatoris is obviously a big talking point at the moment. Peter Uline, uh, you know, there's so many Scott Stallings, there's so many different people on there that you know you can see from all walks of life. You know, different extremes of golf levels, can't you? And I think it's really important to just just hear them out and and listen to the the hours that they give us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, we we all see the glamour. We see, you know. Dustin frolicking with uh, Paula or Paulina, and um, you know, it isn't all like that, is there? You know, we've got players on there that that are hoping to kick on this year. That that, as we know, uh, have struggled for many, many a year for whatever reason. You know, life takes life takes very, very different paths, doesn't it? You know, one small decision, it could even be one putt, couldn't it? You know, um, let, let's take an example. We haven't interviewed him, and I go on about this a lot. But if Reese Davis makes that putt in Morocco. Where's his career now? We don't know, do we? Uh, and no. it's just it's just things like that, you know. Turns there's there's players that have played junior golf with people that are top class golf now, and they're not even that. You know what was the difference? And I just think yeah, if you've got 60 minutes, 75 minutes, there's what there's got to be 20, 25 interviews on there. Tom isn't there. We're hoping for more this year. Um, yeah, pick them out. You're not doing anything. Oh, you're all working from home apparently. So um, you know, <laughs> well, spend an hour Pete- listening. People listen to us for an hour and a half talking about biscuits and, and frozen items, so I think it's probably better to actually listen to some professionals that are pretty well polished and and make us look, uh, you know, silly sometimes. But yeah, it's all there. If you like to work from home or not work, then you've got that on. Uh, if you just want a distraction from anybody, it's, it's there as well. So plenty to look forward to. Uh, obviously, this is our weekly show, and and we'll be back next week because uh, the European Tour is back on as well, isn't it, Jason? Yep. Uh... No, is it next week? No, it's the week after. Week after. Abu Dhabi, is it? 24th. Yeah. So, I don't even it's know the what week after. Just to let everybody know, Martin's brilliant PGA column. You can invest some of the winnings you've had off my European Tour 54-hole column um, onto Martin's fantastic PGA selections. <laughs> there we go. And I don't write anymore because I'm particularly lazy and just prefer talking now because I get cramp in my hands too easily. So, there we go. All the best, gents, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Bye.